What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. And today on the show, it is the weekly episode of Power to the Pod. Whatever you want to talk about, your most pressing questions, hot takes, topics, you name it, here on the show, you're driving the ship, I'm just at the wheel. Locked on Dolphins, tap in. Let's get after it. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and your host for Power to the Pod. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And as a token of my appreciation, we're just going to go through all the things you want to talk about today on the show, because it is Power to the Pod. Uh, rules apply, as always. Uh, you guys can submit your questions, topics, hot takes, you name it, through any social media content. Uh, you can also leave a review of the show. And I have a queue that kind of feeds all of the different outlets uh, with reviews and then what you leave with questions. And I try to prioritize those, jump on those first, and thank you guys for your continued support of the show. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh... I'm going to start with Dango Poker today from Canada, another international listener of the show. Listen to the show daily. Love the deep insight on the Dolphins. Power to the pod question. In recent years, what is the top two draft prospects you were most... My guy's coming right for the neck to get us started today. Okay. What are the two top draft prospects that you were most wrong about? One that you thought was overhyped and ended up crushing it and one that you thought was a can't-miss star and failed miserably. Kate, keep up the great content. Can't wait for the season to begin. Yeah, you and me both. Um, okay, I'll answer this question despite the fact that it's passively, <laughs> aggressively me dunking on myself. That's fine. Uh, the, the one I missed on that, that ended up being a star is too easy. Uh, I was petrified of the profile of Josh Allen as a quarterback prospect coming out of Wyoming. And this is why I'm glad a lot of times that I can talk about these things, but I don't have to make that decision with my ass in the chair, with my job on the line, right? And I want to be as right as possible. And that's why when I talk about what we do on the outside for, for draft assessments, you're really doing risk assessments. There are probably three to five spots in the NFL that you could have taken the quarterback Josh Allen was at Wyoming and transplanted him into, and he would become anywhere near the player that he is with Buffalo. So what you have to do is you have to tip your cap to Buffalo. They've done a wonderful job from an infrastructure standpoint, keeping stability around Josh Allen, consistently reinforcing the messaging with Josh Allen to get him to improve as a player, but also understanding which of his limitations were fixable based on the environment that he played at in Wyoming. A lot of the fundamental upgrades for him. It really helped him with his accuracy. You don't see too many guys who have his level of questions with consistency and accuracy and execution go on to, to have successful NFL careers, let alone be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So yeah, I, I had the phrase I had used was Josh Allen was, quote, not for me. If somebody else wants to bet they can get the best out of him, 
go ahead, and if you get it right, I'll tip my cap to you, and that's all you can do with the Buffalo Bills. Now, I did learn my lesson uh, because a lot of those same questions were applicable with Justin Herbert, and the big question was, well, Herbert, um, he didn't play at little old Wyoming. He played at the University of Oregon and played in the Rose Bowl. So, uh, But if you kind of review the offensive infrastructure that existed at Oregon, yeah, you saw some, some parallels there. So uh, that would be the one that I would say uh, ended up crushing it that I thought was too overhyped. One that I thought was a can't-miss star and failed miserably. Let me do some research on that. I want to give you an educated answer. I don't want to give you just one off the top of my head, Um, but I do know if I sit here and uh, don't recover off praising said quarterback up north, I'm sure a lot of Dolphins fans and and also Justin Herbert's name being invoked, uh, we're probably (laughs) going to hang up and and listen to something else. So let's move on to Jay Feld for now. That's a great question. And I love philosophical draft questions and lessons learned. Uh, my colleague at the Draft Network, Joe Marino, uh, best friend of mine, he says, if you haven't missed, you haven't scouted, right? It's what do you do with the information when you miss? Uh, Jay Feld, hands down the best. Oh, stop. Flattery's going to get you every, everywhere with me, buddy. Check your MFing pulse, though, and I can get behind that. Uh, this was a post-free agent in the spirit of what we did yesterday on Mock Draft of Palooza. Uh, Post-free agency frenzy, TDN mock, rip it to shreds, Kyle, please. Uh, 102, Leo Chanel, linebacker, Wisconsin. Yes, if he's there, he's a perfect fit. I don't know what y'all are doing with the the MDM, the mock draft simulator, to get Leo Chanel to pop up. He never shows up for me. Uh, 125, Josh Job. Interesting that you went with a punter in my mind. Um, Nick Ford. And then Amari Barno, pass rusher out of Virginia Tech, 4-3 athlete. Um, I don't know that Bar- Barno might fit just from like a pure speed role. Uh, he's like a 240-pound pass rusher from Virginia Tech, very explosive, ran in the 4 force. And at 158, you had my favorite pick, but that pick no longer exists because of the Devontae Parker trade, that being Hassan Haskins from Michigan. That's another name. You want to... Six foot two, 225 pound back with some foot quickness that can run in zone. Hassan Haskins might be your guy. Uh, so I like the Chanel pick. I don't know that he's going to be there. I'm interested to see why. I see a lot of people go with Dolphins corner selections. Obviously, with the X extension and Byron Jones getting his deal restructured, he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. I don't really see corner in the cards for them unless they're, they're going out of their way to pick up a. Um, a special teams only prospect. Next review. Shane Cornelison. Shane to the max. He tweeted at me a mock. I'll make sure I, I grab that for you, okay? Uh, Mike, 765. Had to switch up my question because so much has happened the last few weeks. Title is Tua. I'm really happy with what the Dolphins have done this offseason, and I dare to say they're still being underestimated. Okay. I think the construction of a run-first offense where Tua can consistently put defenses in conflict with his ball-handling skills and exploit play-action coupled with the combination of speed to the outside and improved pass protection will result in massive steps forward in 2022. Waddle and Hill pretty much don't 
can't be covered for more than a couple seconds. I can tell you this. I saw somebody assert that Jets fans in a Twitter space said they wanted to play single high safety, stuff the box, and play one-on-one on the outside with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. I don't care how little you as a team, fan base, respect Tua Tungvaloa or don't respect Tua Tungvaloa. If you're going to put those two guys on the outside, God bless. I hope you do it for 60 snaps a game for two games. 60 snaps apiece. Give us 120 snaps of single high coverage. Man coverage on the outside. Go ahead. Go ahead. By the way, you might want to play some zone so you can get those corners, big physical corners involved in run support on the boundary. I digress. My worry is we signed a few too many marginal players and missed a chance to strengthen the defense a little. Do you agree? And if so, what piece would you add? I would have skipped Preston Williams, who I don't predict to make the team, and probably Elena Roberts and pursue Bobby Wagner. So, yeah, I get why everybody was hot on the heels of Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner would have been a phenomenal fit. I'm sure the concern with that was we are looking to maintain the defensive side of the ball in that DNA. And if you go out and you get a new quarterback of your defense who hasn't played within the system, you've kind of neutered yourself for what you're trying to accomplish. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have gone after Bobby Wagner harder than the team did. But I think the thought process was, well, we're running it back as a defense, right? So. Elana Roberts being the one who's most experienced in the system, I understand why they felt there was a seat at the table for him, even if it was, you know, we should not be banking on him being the Mike linebacker this year. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports development, including this week's Masters Championships odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Mike, as far as the original intent of your question, which was, uh, did the Dolphins uh, spend too much on, quote, marginal players? I would say that at this point, that is probably, now, after the Xavier contract contract extension and the Devontae Parker trade, Miami's like in the top five in the NFL in, in salary cap space right now. So there's nothing preventing them from going out and signing players. And I think that's an important note to acknowledge. But, yes, I kind of review how the Dolphins chose to spend their money uh, with, with some of the contracts that they gave out to players who would be considered depth. And they're probably not moves that I would have made. Uh, but what's interesting here is this. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are routinely, annually applauded for their cap management, cap flexibility, always having the wiggle room to make changes if necessary. And you know what they don't ever do? They don't ever use it. They never spend big in free agency. And I understand like that is the pillar of your team identity and what you want to do and who you want to be. But if you're a team that's close, if you're a team that's in the exact same bucket the Dolphins have been in the last few years, you just so happen to make it as that last seed in 2020 and had the same record, 
and you're playing more musical chairs at critical spots on the roster than the Dolphins are, like, go spend some money and get, make sure, make sure you're going where you need to be. And instead, what they do is they end up with this roster where they're really sturdy, um, but they don't have the difference makers, and they've, but they also don't pay for depth. At least the Dolphins paid for depth, right? I mean, you look at the cap breakdowns that they have. They, I mean, they traded for Matt Ryan and gave him a, a modified contract, so he's $18.5 million against the cap. DeForest Buckner, they gave a big contract to. Quentin Nelson, they gave a big contract to. Braden Smith, they gave a big contract to. Darius Leonard. The next, like, highly paid guys for them, they did sign Yannick Ngakwe in free agency. Okay, that's a good buy. But they're still third in the NFL in salary cap space right now, and they're sitting on their hands with, like, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Mo Alley-Cox, Matt Pryor, Naeem Hines, Zaire Franklin. These are top 10 paid players on the Colts. Top 10. What are we doing? Right? So at least Miami, you know, they they spent a little bit more for depth than I probably would have been comfortable with. But of all those names that I just mentioned in Indianapolis, if you foil what Miami's cap commitments are, I mean, they, they are very marginal for their salary cap hits this year. Tyree Kill, 6.485. So they've given them space with how they've attacked some big contracts this year between Emmanuel Ogbo's cap hit is under 11.5. Mike Isecki's under 11. He's on the franchise tag. It's a one-year thing. Tyreek Hill, 6.5. Uh, Byron Jones got the restructured contract, 5.87. Connor Williams, 5.66. So they've pushed the threshold, the upper threshold down and now they're also more dense than the Colts in the middle and bottom of the roster spending, too. So now, Miami, if you find a right fit and a right player to bring into the fray here, and if you think it's going to put you over the top, you can now do that because you structured your contracts appropriately. You took advantage of having this flexibility. And when the offseason first started, it was like, man, are we really going to sit here and pay a bunch of guys 2 to $4 million a piece and call it a day? No. They went out and they got two top 20 players in the NFL on the offensive side of the football. And Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead. That's a job well done. So, looking at the, the big picture now, knowing what we know and knowing what the, the results have been in the first month of the, the new calendar year, effectively, um, I think that's turned into a big hit uh, for Miami. That's an interesting question, though. And that's one that, as I sit here and I reflect on myself, um, I think we need to acknowledge the depth of a lot of different places on this roster. And I think that is in part why we saw the Dolphins kind of take the approach and the ideology and the thought process that they did with this year's draft in general. Um. This has become a pretty solid, deep roster in a lot of different spots. Now, you still have prominent questions 
along the offensive line, a couple spots there on who's going to step into the center role. Is it Michael Dieter or otherwise? Is who's going to win the right tackle job? Tua Valoa has not established himself with the footing that we would need to to have peace of mind moving forward with him uh, as the unquestioned face of the franchise next decade, right? He's shown promise, but he's also shown some warts. And you put him into this new environment, how does he handle the situation? How does he produce in this situation? This year's going to be pretty telling. But they still have Eric Rowe, so their, sa- their safety room, their one through three safeties of Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe, and Javon Holland is a f- terrific group. You've got probably a top five corner duo in the NFL, plus Nick Needham. Could you probably use a little bit of depth behind that group? Sure. The linebacker group, they brought everybody back. It's deep, but it's not talented at the top, in my opinion. Jerome Baker is the only linebacker I think you could consistently project to other teams across the league, and he would start. The defensive line group is extremely deep. They brought back Agba, Wilkins, Sealer, Davis. You want to put Van Ginkle in that bucket? Jalen Phillips? Yeah, it's a deep group. They brought back Kaseki. They brought back Durham Smythe. You have a third-round pick in Hunter Long. Adam Shaheen's under contract. Now, you know, Smythe and Sheen, Shaheen are not high-level starters in the NFL, but that's why you have Mike Kaseki and you have a third-round pick. The wide receiver room was so deep you could trade Devontae Parker. Like, this roster's looking good. This roster's looking really good. Now, there's still critical questions that need to be answered, but as I assess the Dolphins right now, I'm excited with a lot of what the depth of the roster looks like to get them through a 17-game season. A couple of draft notes really quick, including one critical top 30 visit that the Dolphins had, or is having soon, I should say. This courtesy of Justin Mello of thedraftnetwork.com. Good guy. Tennessee Chattanooga guard center Cole Strange completed a top 30 visit with the Vikings per source. He will soon visit the Broncos, Buccaneers, Dolphins, and Seahawks. Strange has aced the process with excellent showings at the Senior Bowl and Combine. He's worked himself into potentially second-round conversation. Kyle, why are you sharing this information with us? We don't have a second-round pick. Think of this is my new thing, okay? Think about how aggressive the Dolphins have been after the first week of free agency. Kind of quietly mulling, waiting, lurking. Boom. Teron Armstead happens. Quietly. Oh, they're not done. We're hearing they're not done. They're going to add somebody. They're looking at wide receiver. Boom. Tyreek Hill hits. What's the other thing? What's the other thing we've been hearing continuously? Oh, they're looking at centers. Don't sleep on center. We hear they're going to add center competition to the center room. What did they do in those other two instances? Boom. They got really aggressive, and they went out and got somebody. Miami picks at 102. 
I don't know what the trade package and compensation could potentially look like because I don't know. I, I haven't really pegged exactly where I think I can project Cole Strange with some comfort. I could tell you a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably loves him. Well, they had success with Ali Marpet from Hobart. Senior Bowl participant, got drafted on day two, ends up coming out and having a phenomenal career. He just retired this offseason. Like Cole Strange can be the next version of that kind of player for somebody. Is he as good as Ali Marpet? No, he's not quite as big as Ali Marpet. But cut on the tape against Kentucky this past year. And Tennessee Chattanooga almost won that game because all they did was just run the ball behind Cole Strange. He snapped at the Senior Bowl. It was the first time he was used as a center. His natural tape is at guard. It's very good. But I think his ceiling is highest in the NFL at center. So, oh, Dolphins, they're looking at centers. They're going to add some... Cole Strange. And it's not just, well, let's hope he gets to 102. Nah. Check your effing pulse. F that. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get him. I don't think it's realistic to say, oh, let's go get Tyler Linderbaum, right? Like, (laughs) I don't think we're in that kind of conversation because now you're giving up crazy assets from the future. But if you got to go up into the early three from the late three, just just send the fourth round pick and a future day three pick in 2023 or a player off the roster on one of these really deep position groups that you have. Get it done. There should be absolutely nothing stopping. What, what would you rather have? Would you have, rather have a young rookie that you feel like could realistically come in and fulfill the role of a starting center if you feel that is appropriate upgrade? And I'm still high on Michael Dieter relative to the general consensus. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather sit back at 102 and do the thought process exercise that we did yesterday where you are hoping or praying a linebacker that could come in and play 40 to 50% of the snaps for you this year would take and have an extra pick in the fourth round? And the Dolphins are kind of telling us what their thought process is based on how they chose to approach Toronto Armstead. It was full-court press when they had their guy. Tyreek Hill, full-court press when they had their guy. Is Cole Strange their guy at center? I don't know. But I look at his skill set, and it makes a whole bunch of sense for him to be the kind of player that they would project in here and be a fit. A whole bunch of sense. So I just got my eye on that because that that report from Justin giving us the news of of the visit for Miami and Cole Strange, they they might not be in that strike zone right now, but they can get there. And I would hope that um, if that was the chosen path in, in the mind of the powers that be with the Dolphins, that they just go for it because that's what they've done with everything else and the results thus far have been pretty promising. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a good one. We got one more show this week. Plan accordingly. Talk to you then.